let's go ahead and stand tonight. How's everybody doing? Fine. Any, any, any greats? All right. Any excellence? Hey, we're, any oh me's and oh my's? Okay, just make sure we're covering everybody. <laughs> Thank you for being with us tonight online. Uh, so glad that you tuned in tonight. Let's open up in prayer. How many have a need tonight? You'll just signify by lifting your hand. Um, we want to continue praying for, uh, we still have some kids, not we, but there's still kids at camp. I think Dr. Klontz talked a little bit about the kids and the youth and everything. It's been a great camp year, um, which I think every year seems to be. But uh, let's just pray that all that takes, that takes place at camp. Uh, sometimes you get in that euphoric atmosphere and then you come back to the real world. And, and sometimes it's a real big adjustment. Let's just pray. You know, God gives us through the Holy Spirit something that lasts. And it's not a, just a camp, uh, a camp experience. It's an everyday experience as we walk uh, in his spirit. So let's pray uh, for all the ministries. Uh, teachers will be gearing up to go back, I think, next week and, and kids after that. So just a lot of stuff going on. And uh, we want to finish out the summer and then hit the fall um, just full stride. And, uh, of course, I don't know when we're ever not full stride, but you know what I'm talking about. So let's just open up in prayer. Father, tonight we are grateful to be able to come together. And, uh, Lord, what a what a wonderful day. And, Lord, I just thank you for all the gentle reminders, uh, Lord, all around us of how much you, you love us, how much you care. Father, I thank you that you are tonight that strong tower that we can run to and are safe. And, Father, I pray for every hand that went up in the building tonight and each one online. Lord, you know everything about us. Lord, you know the, the, the smallest detail of our life. And I just pray, Father, no matter what's going on, uh, we do pray for our students that will be headed out and our leaders on Friday to Fine Arts and, and uh, at General Council. Uh, Lord, we pray safe travels for them. We pray, God, that you would visit with council in a very powerful way uh, over the next week. Lord, we pray that you would uh, just be with, uh, uh, Lord, those that are traveling. We pray for the camp experience, Lord, our children, our youth that have experienced such an incredible anointing of your Holy Spirit. Uh, Father, we just thank you that you answer our prayers, Lord, that you're available to us. And, and Father, we just pray for all the ministries on campus tonight that you would be exalted and lifted high. Be with us in our time of study. Open our hearts and let us hear what the Spirit says to us. We commit this to you now in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. amen. God bless you. you. may be seated tonight. Um, go ahead again. Turn to 1 John. Uh, 1 John chapter 2. While you're turning there, a couple of announcements. Um, number one, don't forget tomorrow is our uh, food distribution. Uh, will happen right out here, 9 o'clock uh, in the morning. And, um, you know, I'm thankful that we're able to do this one early. Uh, so hopefully, you know, we'll be done before it gets really, really warm outside. Uh, but anyway, we could use help up here. Uh, I believe they're going to kind of rally the volunteers. But Terry, what, about 8 o'clock? I don't remember the time. 8 o'clock, I think, uh, 8.30, get everything ready to go and hopefully roll at 9. The food, uh, we have to get a truck every week. And so uh, that truck is out there. It's ready to go. And uh, we'll unload in the morning and then start serving people. Uh, also, don't forget tomorrow night is our concert with Brian Free and Assurance. Uh, again, it's a free concert. Uh, we'll receive a love offering as you as people leave. Uh, great, you, you will enjoy. I know it's a Thursday night. We don't generally do much anything on Thursday night, but uh, <coughs> I know you'll be blessed if you come and bring somebody with you. Uh, great night of entertainment. Great night of worship. And uh, and then, <coughs> pardon me. And then on Sunday. 
Uh, we are back in our series on questions Jesus asked. This week, we're going to be answering the question, why do you worry? Why do you worry? Anybody ever worried before? Yeah, I worried you was going to worry about that. No. <laughs> no. Uh, and then Sunday night is our BT Kids-sponsored um, splash station, back-to-school swim party. Uh, so it's at 6.30, 6.30, And again, we're asking for modest swimsuits and no two-piece. But uh, ought to be a great time as we get ready to gear down uh, for summer and back up for school. Uh, anyway, we're going to get in our teaching. Pardon me with my voice. Uh, I feel better than I did this past weekend. It's all that junk that was there is kind of breaking up a little bit, so uh, we'll we'll get through tonight. But we're on, we're in a series, Blessed Assurance, which we're studying again through the book of First John. And tonight, um, I think I gave them the wrong thing. <laughs> um, hang on a second. You ever do that? Oh, this is bad. I had the wrong one selected. That, I'm looking at that study, and it's not matching my notes, and I'm like, wait a minute, what happened? So, so tonight's study is uh, the last hour, okay, the last hour. And so we're going to read tonight uh, chapter 2, beginning verse number 18. Verse number 18. Again, John, and, and notice the tenderness in which he writes. He says, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest, that none of them, that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy, Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. He goes on. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist, who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let, let that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning." That you heard from the beginning, if, that, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. And we'll stop there. May the Lord add his blessing to his word tonight. So as we get into our uh, lesson tonight, let me, let, me just, let me just kind of paint you a picture. I used to tell my children that all the time. Let me paint you a picture. Um, so so while, you and I are, while we're sitting here tonight, um, or wherever you may be tonight online, chaos is the order of the day around the world. Again, you, you, again, I'm not, you know, this is not doom and gloom type stuff, but, but the reality is while we're in service tonight, there's chaos that's in rule around, around the world. It's in, it's in our streets, it's in our country, it's in our state, it's in our communities, uh, it's around the world. Nations are on edge. 
uh, war uh, in places, genocide uh, seems to be everywhere. You know, things that were once done in the back rooms uh, are now being celebrated in, pub- in the public area. And one of the things that really gripes me is even our own government in the country that we live in promotes and celebrates evil. Uh, I, I would just say that it bothers me when a sitting president of our country will go on national television and tell everybody that his administration will do everything in their power to continue killing babies and to promote perversion. When all that's going on, you know it's dark times. You know these are dark days. And In fact, uh, Paul writing to Timothy uh, simply tells us that in the last days, remember what he said, perilous days, dark, troublesome days will come. And then he goes through a list of things that, again, none of this stuff, like Jesus talked about when he talked about the end times in Matthew's gospel, none of this stuff should take us unaware. You know, we might be surprised at the depravity of humanity, and we might be surprised to see these things in our own country, but none of it should surprise us because we're not unaware. We have God's word that has told us these things must come to pass. And so we see chaos uh, all around us. Uh, it's kind of like, the, it's kinda like the, uh, the man who heard his grandfather clock chime 14 times one midnight. He jumped up out of bed and he shook his wife and said, wake up, Nellie. It's later than it's ever been before. <laughs> and I think that's kind of true. I think it's the same thing right now that the church has to be aroused from its slumber to recognize that these are the last hours, that it's later than it's ever been before. Listen, I know every generation since the time that Jesus said this generation will not pass away until all be fulfilled, every generation has thought they were that generation that would see the advent of Christ. And they have, he hasn't come yet. Uh, but we, it is later than it's ever been before. Now, notice in our text, John, again, I, I love how he does this. He's the elder statesman uh, of the church. He, uh, again, is old. He's, he's the only living disciple of Jesus at this time uh, of the remnant of the original. And I love how he dresses his readers. He says, dear children. Or, my, or the New King James is little children. Uh, and then he adds, this is the last hour. See, every generation's believed that. John wrote it, this is the last hour. I'm telling you, these are the last hours. So uh, the last hour, the last days, what does that refer to? Well, that refers to a time between the ascension of Jesus when he went up in Acts, you know, he went up to heaven, and the two angels said, hey, why do you stand here gazing? This same Jesus who was taken from you will in like manner come again. So from that moment on, until uh, his return, these are the last times. That's what we're talking about. Uh, we're not waiting for another testament to be written. Uh, we're not wait, uh, waiting for some additional revelation or another prophet to come on the scene or the next. Uh, uh, listen, the next event to take place uh, is the return of Christ. That's the next event. We're not, you know, you know there are people who want to talk about every time there's a skirmish in the Middle East, every time there's a, uh, a natural disaster or something like that, you get all these people, and I'm not knocking it. Please don't read between the lines, but you have all these people that come right out of the, I mean, like out of the starting block. They want to write a book. They want to have the first book published of why this is the, the straw that breaks the camel's back and that Jesus will be here by September the 30th or whatever. Again, we, we've been warned about that, to be careful. Uh, to be careful and discern the times and the seasons. We're, listen, we're not waiting for another event. We're not waiting for another revelation. We're not waiting for another uh, prophet. We're, we're waiting for Jesus. 
That's the next thing on the prophetic calendar uh, of God is the return of Christ. And the Bible says that tough times that we're in right now will be filled with evil. And not only are the tough times that we live in filled with evil, uh, the Bible says they will increase. You know, when Jesus described the, the birth pains as a mother giving birth pains, you uh, moms would understand that, that the closer you get to the birthing, the more intense the labor pains. And it's the same thing. The closer we get to the coming of Christ, uh, the more intense things are going to be. And I, I would just simply say, uh, church, buckle up. Buckle up. You know, we, for years, we in the Western culture have been very secure, maybe to the point that we were lulled into a slumber, and now all of a sudden we are waking up to a fact that there's a world that we're living in that we don't recognize. We live in a country that we no longer recognize. When you, again, when you have our own government promoting, sanctioning, celebrating uh, uh, um, violence and, and perversion and all of these things, there's, there's something wrong. It's, it, it, there's something fundamentally wrong. So John writes and he says, dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. And this is how we know it's the last hour. Again, he's, he's, just, he's saying, look, I'm telling you it's the last hour, and if you want some empirical evidence of why I'm telling you that, this is how we know that. So how do we know it's the last hour? Well, he, he answers that. He said, it's the spirit of the Antichrist being revealed. That's how we know. It's the, that the, so how do we know that we are living in the, last hour, in the last hours? Well, the spirit of Antichrist is everywhere you turn. It's in education, it's in finance, it's in government, it's in health care, it's everywhere. So we can say pretty definitively that these are the last hours. And, and, and again, the word antichrist, uh, the prefix anti means in the place of, okay, or in opposition to. So, so that kind of puts it in a perspective that antichrist is one who opposes or seeks to replace Christ. And one thing to be careful about when we start talking about Antichrist, some people want to talk about the Antichrist as being the exact opposite of, of Jesus Christ. That, that's not always entirely true. because it's, it, Rather, it should be read in place of. Because when the Antichrist is revealed, one of the things about him, so, so we think Jesus, okay, he was kind, he was compassionate, uh, he went about doing good, and so we automatically think, okay, so Antichrist will come and be the exact opposite of Jesus. So he'll be cruel. And he'll go around doing evil. Well, he doesn't the first three and a half years. Remember? He, he doesn't do that. So, so instead of saying the opposite, that he's the opposite of, of Jesus, it means he's in place of. Okay? So, the, so replacing Jesus with the Antichrist, he's in replace of. So we know that we are in the last hour by the increasing number of Antichrists that have risen. So let's talk a little bit about the Antichrist. First of all, let's talk about the spirit of Antichrist. 1 John chapter 4, verse 3 says, But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. There you go. We're not building rockets. You know, we, I think one of the things that's bothered me in Christendom in, 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 uh, in, in the last 20 years or so, maybe even longer in, in the church, is that we've seemed to have lost our discernment. If people quote scripture, if people try to wax eloquent in things of, 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 of religion, we give a pass on character. 
And we somehow think that because they can quote scripture and cite things and talk about things that, that they somehow are spiritual. And we, again, I think we have to be very careful about that. The Antichrist, again, one of the things that we can tell right away is that every spirit that does not acknowledge that Jesus is from God, that's Antichrist. That's what he said. And he goes on, he said, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Again, we can... We can uh, bear out, I always say, fruit don't lie. Fruit don't lie. If I go out and plant an apple tree and I got pears on that tree, it's not an apple tree, <laughs> you know, not an apple tree. Fruit don't lie. And, and, you know, behind every false doctrine and behind every act of evil is the spirit of Antichrist. Okay, so another thing about it, let's talk about the Antichrist. It's interesting that the Bible gives us over 20 names for this satanic Superman, <clears throat> over 20 names. I'm not going to give all of them to you, but some of the names that we would know him by would be, uh, in our text here, the Antichrist. Uh, we would also know him as the little horn of Daniel. Okay, if you've heard that before, studied, we've studied Daniel, uh, the little horn. Matthew had one, the abomination that causes desolation. Uh, and in Revelation, 36 times calls him the beast, the beast, a lot of people over the years, how many's ever heard somebody try to identify the Antichrist? You know, I, I, I mean, you can go down and, you know, President Trump, Obama, George Bush, Henry Kissinger, um, Princess Diana. I mean, I, I remember when they talked about Mikhail Gorbachev being the Antichrist because he, he had the birthmark on his forehead. Um, I mean, the people have always been naming names, Napoleon. Uh, goes back for a long, long time. Um, even though believers won't be here when this son of perdition, that's another name, this man of sin, son of perdition, is revealed, the spirit of Antichrist is alive and well right now. You know, we may not, we may not contend with the Antichrist, that, that singular satanic superman, but we will contend and are contending with the spirit of the Antichrist right now uh, in, in our world. Um, so, uh, so we have that. Let's, again, the third thing about it is there are many Antichrists that have come. And again, John helps us to see that these Antichrists, um, with a little a, they're here. And, and, and he gives us some insight into what they're here to do. So again, John is saying, little children, these are the last times. And he's trying to get them to understand that, you know, you don't have to have a theological degree uh, or you don't have to be able to read the tea leaves to understand that these are perilous, difficult days and that these are evil days. Here's things that you can recognize. Kind of like what Paul, uh, when he was telling Timothy about the perilous, perilous times, lovers of their own selves. That's, those are some things that we look around. Uh, heady and high-minded, uh, disobedient to parents. Uh, those are all just uh, characteristics, if you will, of perilous times. And so that's what John does. And, and so here he gives us kind of a list of what they do. What do antichrists do? Again, they are in place of Jesus Christ. So what do they do? Number one, they desert the church. Look at verse 19. They went out from us. But what did he say? But they didn't really belong to us. They went, but we weren't, they weren't sent. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. 
so, so think about in Scripture, how many people can you think of that, that went out when they, you know, that, that abandoned or deserted the church, if you will? Well, Judas would be one. I mean, Judas for three and a half years was part of the inner circle of the 12 with Jesus. He was the money, he was the treasurer of that ministry. And yet he was not part of them. Even Jesus himself describing Judas said he was the devil or of the devil. Uh, how, about, how about Damas? I mentioned him last week, Damas. You know, when you read, first come across the name Damas, um, Paul cited him as being a faithful ministry companion. But then the next time you read about Damas, Paul said, Damas has, uh, has abandoned me having loved this present world. So that's an example of those who went out that were not of us. Uh, and did you know that most cult leaders um, were once involved in a legitimate church? Most cult leaders were involved in a legitimate church. Uh, the, even Paul warned us about this in Acts chapter 20, verse number 30. He said, even, even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. That's a warning. That's a warning to the body of Christ. And I, I would say it's a warning that we need to take serious. Just because, just because somebody comes in and they know Scripture, quote Scripture, doesn't mean that you need to be following them. That's a dangerous thing. I, I've shared with you that story uh, when I was in Germany. I'll, I'll share it for those who haven't heard it. And if you have, just I'm sorry. <laughs> when I was stationed in Germany, because of all the NATO restrictions, a lot of what I, could, what I went in and trained to do in the military, I was unable to do because there was a lot of restrictions uh, when, I was in, when I was serving back in the late 80s, early 90s. And so we actually pastored a church at Simbach Air Base, which was 12th headquarters, uh, 12th Air Force headquarters there outside of Kaiserslautern. And we had a church there. Uh, about 100, 130 people, 140 people in our church. And um, again, I'm, I'm, a, I'm young. I'm, I'm there because nobody else, they had nobody else to take it. I'd been a children's uh, pastor and we'd done some children's work in, in Europe. And they just asked me, you know, when, I, when I, they called and asked me to take the church, I said, I don't know anything about being a pastor. I'm, 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 I deal with kids. And the guy told me, he said, well, they're just like big kids. That's what he told me. <laughs> he said, they're just like big kids. And, and so we started pastoring this church. There was a young man in the church, very, very, very knowledgeable of the Bible. He could quote scripture. He could, he, you know, you could say something and he would rattle off some scriptures. And it was really, really impressive. And so we were just talking about how to expand our, the ministry of that church there on the base and came up with the idea that we had a lot of single airmen uh, and civilian employees, there, or government employees there. So why not start a Bible study in uh, the barracks or in a common area that they could all attend. Didn't pray about it. Okay, I'm being honest and transparent. Didn't pray about it. Uh, I, needed, I initially thought of that guy because I thought, you know what? He knows, he knows the Bible. He knows Scripture. And I determined that the next time we finished service, this was the, the following week, that I was going to pull him aside and I would talk to him about launching this Bible study. And I felt good about it. You know, again, I didn't pray about it, but I felt good because he knew a lot of Scripture. That Sunday night after service, had a wonderful service, a powerful move of the Holy Spirit. 
and I'm getting ready to close, and I'm on the platform, and this guy stands up in the back, and he walks down the middle aisle of the church. He gets about right down here, and he points a finger at me, and he says, you're a liar. He said, Every, he said I know I'm not to confront God's anointed. He said, but you've lied, and I have a responsibility to tell these people you're a liar. Now, you got to understand, I, I had been, you know, it had been a couple of years since I'd been in my really tough, rebellious stage. And, and there was an impulse, an instinctive impulse. I wanted to jump off the plane, uh, the plane. I wanted to jump off the platform, and I wanted to lay hands on him suddenly and hardly, intently. But I did not. He came up the stage. He looked me in the eye, and he kept calling me a liar. And the only thing, and some of my elders that were there, they got up to come and kind of step in between. And the only thing that came out of my mouth, and I truly believe it was one of those times where the Holy Spirit goes, I really believe that because I, I, I'm not that controlled in that moment. I'm not that controlled. And the only thing that came out of my mouth was, let's just stand and be dismissed. And I dismissed and went on our merry way. Obviously left the church. It left me shaking there for a little bit. And so I go to my prayer time, my prayer closet, and God took me to the woodshed. He said, don't you ever assume to know the heart of other men. What you think and what you're impressed with does not impress me. He said, you, as the under-shepherd, would, you need to consult me before you do anything like that again. Yes, <laughs> sir. You know, I really felt that strong. Kind of went on about the business. Six months later, I, I got to move on. But six months later, I get a phone call in the middle of the night, and it's that same guy. He said, Pastor, I owe you an apology. He said, you, you were right. He said, I, I'd been let off in some error, and I'm sorry. And he said, could you forgive me, please? And I said, absolutely. And he came back to the, the family, and he was there until I left. And I'm just simply saying, um, Paul said, even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth. Be careful of religious-sounding people. You've got a guide right here. If it doesn't, I, I enjoy people going home with the notes that we put up here. One of the reasons we do notes is I want you to take them home and research them. Be careful about who you allow to influence you because there are busybodies that will come in and try to talk you out, out of what God put you in. That preach, I'm not going to do that. So, so another thing <laughs> that they do, not only do they desert the church, they deny Christ. Verse 18 says, this is how you're going to know they're Antichrist. Again, and so what is the error? Well, verses 22 and 23, look what he said. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. And the verb tense there, denies, means to continually or consistently deny that Jesus is the Christ. That's how you know that they're Antichrist. You know, one of the false teachers that uh, you don't read about him in Scripture, but in, in uh, historical uh, writings, Irenaeus in particular, talked about a guy by the name of Serenthus. Uh, Serenthus was a, was a thorn in the side of Paul and John. And basically he taught, uh, his error was, and this is what John was confronting, the error that he taught was that the incarnation never happened that Jesus never died a sacrificial death on the cross. That's what John was contending with. Jude 4 
says it like this, for certain men whose condemnation was written long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. He said they've slipped in. Again, how many slick-sounding people have slipped into congregations and have left ruin in their wake? You know, I like Dr. Clonch's description Sunday that, that, that shepherds and leaders are to, to be protectors, to, to stand in the gap. Um, another thing they do is they, not only do they uh, deny Christ, they deceive Christians. They deceive Christians. Look at verse 26. He said, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. I mean, no, that's pretty plain right there. <laughs> you, don't have to have a, you don't have to have a strong concordance. You don't have to have a Bible commentary. You don't have to have any treasures of New, you know, New Testament. You don't have to have any of that stuff. He just simply said, I'm writing to you to let you know there are people that are trying to lead you astray. They're trying to lead you away. Jesus was, again, I think Jesus was no doubt lead, uh, referring to the Antichrist when he said in Matthew 24, verses 4 and 5, he said, watch out that no one deceive you. Watch out that no one deceives you. For many, everybody say many. Many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. For false Christ and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles and deceive even the elect if that were possible. Wow. That, that's worth paying attention to. Listen, you've got one thing that is more valuable. It's like the pearl of great price. When you find it, you sell everything to secure it. We have, a, we have a relationship with Jesus. Our soul, it is more valuable. That's why Jesus said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. It is more beneficial to go to heaven maimed than to go to hell whole. It's that valuable. It's that, it's that something. So, so we should pay attention. Just because they have a massive following on television doesn't mean they're worth your watching. Just because they write a bunch of books doesn't mean they're worth your reading. Again, I'm not knocking, I'm not knocking any ministry. I'm just simply saying we've got to be more discerning uh, moving forward in these, in these uh, last days, as John said. That's what antichrists do. They desert, they deny, and they deceive. And, and, and again, I mean, when you start talking about the Antichrist, it, could be, it can be kind of hair-raising a little bit, a little frightening to think about. I mean, so we start thinking, well, then how do I know, how do I know what's true? I mean, you're talking about discernment. How do I know what's true? How can I discern what is right and what is wrong? It's kind of like, it's like the wife who called her husband and said, honey, something's wrong with the car. And he patiently asked her, he said, well, sweetheart, what's wrong with it? She said, well, honey, there's water in the carburetor. And he said, the, the, the husband said, well, honey, you don't have a clue what the carburetor is. She kept insisting. She said, trust me, honey, I'm telling you, there's water in the carburetor. Feeling like he wasn't getting anywhere, he decided he was going to go check out what was going on with the car. And so he asked his wife, said, so where's the car? She said, it's in the swimming pool. You see, the point is, the point is we don't, we don't have to understand the intricacies of systematic theology or attend seminary to know that something's not right, <laughs> right? 
God has, more, God has more than prepared us for these dark days that we live in. We are, we, what I'm trying to say, I'm trying to say we're well equipped, you know? I mean, if there's water in the carburetor, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, we're well equipped. And, and so notice, again, John tells us what's going on. He said, look, these are dark days. These are, these are the last days. Here's what, here, there are people trying to deceive you. There are people trying to lead you astray. And he goes through all of that stuff. We know that they're in the Antichrist because they deny Jesus. And, and, and now he says, but you're equipped. And that's the thing. When we start talking about end time stuff, those messages are not to bring fear. They're not to incite fear or, or dread or anything like that. And actually, they should be inspiration to us. You know, that's why the Scriptures calls it the blessed hope. You know, that's our hope. I'm not hoping that the world gets better. I'm waiting on Jesus. You know, that, that's the message. And so John basically says, you know what? You, you are well equipped for these dark days. And so notice what we've been provided as believers. Notice what we've been given. Number one, we have the anointing. We have the anointing. In verse 20 and in verse 27, he says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. That anointing is real and not counterfeit. We have an anointing. That word anointing is in the present tense, which means we have it constantly. And I love how he describes it. We have an anointing not around us. It's not like we walk around with some spiritual aura. It's in us. It's in us. You know, I, I, again, it's not this... Oh, you got this glow about you. I'm going to stop with that one. <laughs> no, the anointing, it's within us. It pictures the Old Testament prophet. In fact, uh, one of the stories, one of my favorite stories, uh, you know, if you start talking about the Old Testament anointing, they, God anointed people in the Old Testament to set them apart for special tasks or assignments. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, the Bible says, So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, David, in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. So in the Old Testament, there was an anointing that would separate, differentiate an individual from everybody else. But in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is given to all believers when they're born again. In Galatians 4, 6, Paul said, because you are sons of God, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, that spirit who calls out Abba, Father. Again, that's the deposit that we have. And again, John, uh, John is just trying to remind us that we are equipped. Listen, it's not in and of ourselves. I, uh, in and of ourselves, we can't do anything, but through Christ, I can do all things. Why? Because he's equipped me. He has deposited within me the Holy Spirit. I have an anointing. From the Holy One, that's what he said. Um, you know, and of course today there's a lot of strange, I call it hooey. There's a lot of, there's a lot of hooey going around about anointing. You know, I've, I've, I've had, in fact, I remember years ago I had a preacher that called me one day. Actually, I bumped into him in a, in a, in a business, and he said, you need to come to our church. We got a revival, we got revival going on, and you need to get what we got. It needs to get on you so you can take it back. And I, that really was odd to me because I thought, I'm a believer, okay? I'm, I'm filled with the Spirit of God. What do you have that I don't have? I mean, I, that's really what I thought. What do you have that I don't have? 
You know, and, and, and so we have to be careful, and, and particularly, I'm, 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 I'm a Pentecostal. I believe in the Pentecostal uh, movement, but, but sometimes Pentecostal people are just nuts. I, I, I'm sorry. We, we ch- because we expect sensationalism, we open ourselves up to things that are not of God. And I think we have to be very careful about that. I mean, there's a lot of strange and unbiblical use of the word anointing in our day-to-day, but the truth is, if you are born again, you are anointed. Paul said the Spirit of God is within you. If you're born again, you have the Spirit in you. Second Corinthians, again, think about it. What I'm, what I'm trying to say, it's not a, an extra blessing. Now, we can talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a second blessing. That's what I heard when I was a kid growing up. But Every born-again believer has the impartation of the Spirit within them. He takes up residence within them. God's for me. Jesus with me. The Holy Spirit's on the inside. Okay? So, you know, it's not some special or extra blessing reserved for only a select few people. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He said, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us set his seal of ownership upon us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Anointing is not a special power. It's not something that, you know, remember the old uh, Wonder Woman things? You know, if you watch the old Wonder Woman TV show. I was flipping through TV. I'm sorry. I I was flipping through TV the other day, and I came across, I think it's called Me TV. You know, and and I saw the old Batman, you know, and, and you know how they spelled out the, what do they call that, onomatopoeia? Poof, pow, ha. <laughs> I thought, we watched that and we loved it. <laughs> but anyway, there was a point there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to be so self-conscious. <laughs> I'm going to be so self-conscious <laughs> for the rest of my days here. <laughs> It's not, it's not a special power. It's we have the anointing. That's what John said. That's we, we're equipped. Number two, not only do we have the anointing, we have the truth. We have the truth. Verses 20 and 21, notice what he says. And all of you know the truth. If you're born again, the Spirit of God is with you. You know the truth because he bears witness to the truth. How many times do we get in trouble because we ignore that little, still, small voice inside of us? We know the truth. Why? Because the spirit of truth is within us. He's the one that says, put your hand over your mouth and don't say that. That's what a little boy, like that little boy, going, I told you a story about the little boy going to the, standing in a, in, a, in a convenience store and he's got his hands behind his back and he's backing up to the candy display. And that man's standing there thinking, oh, boy, I got me a shoplifter now. Finally couldn't stand it. He said, boy, are you trying to steal some candy? He said, no, sir, I'm trying not to. <laughs> we, we do. That's the Holy Spirit. We, we contend. He goes on in verse 21. He said, I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. You know the truth. Have you ever heard somebody say something like, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. You know what the most, I hadn't said this in a long time, so you missed this one. You know what the most expensive thing of all is? Ignorance. Ignorance. 
ignorance. We perish because of what we do not know. And when it comes to spiritual things, what we don't know absolutely hurts us. That's why we should study to show ourselves approved unto God. It should be part and parcel to our lives. It's, it should be our daily sustenance. You know, and, and sometimes we start, we start talking about daily Bible studies and things like that. Listen, I'm not talking about sitting down for hours and hours and hours. I'm talking about spend time in God's word. Learn, memorize, hide it in your heart. Because one day we may not be able to have this, as odd and weird as that may sound, there may come a, di- a time in this country, in our lifetime, when this will be outlawed. Right now we can't fathom it, but could you, fa- could you fathom five years ago that we couldn't figure out what bathrooms to go into? Again, I, I'm just simply saying things that we, think, we thought would never happen are happening daily. Hide the word. In your heart. You can be, listen, you can be sincere in your belief and be sincerely wrong. (laughs) Real believers know the truth. Number three, we have the teaching. Verse 27, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But, (coughs) pardon me, but as his anointing teaches you about all things and as the anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you. You know, one thing about cults, you know what they do? They require their members to listen to only one person, their leader. Cults only allow their people to listen to one, <clears throat> one leader or teacher. The Holy Spirit's job is to guide believers into all truth and teach us what God has revealed. John 14, 26, here's what he said. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That's part of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He's my counselor. He's my guide. He's the arbiter of truth in my life. Again, John's not saying that teachers aren't important. That's not what he's saying. Uh, One of the reasons he wrote this letter was to do some teaching. Um, You know, Paul said in Ephesians 4 that teaching is part of the equipping process for the saints. But false teachers, think about this, false teachers use two words to describe those who had a special revelation from God. And here's those two words, knowledge and anointing. You ever heard that? People claim, false teachers claim a special knowledge and a special anointing that sets them apart from every other believer. Listen, that's a red flag on steroids. If you hear somebody saying, well, God's given me extra knowledge. Well, who made, no. (laughs) You know, but there are people that, there are people like that. They claim special knowledge, special anointing. And according to them, the only the enlightened elite have something going on with God. So, so you can see how John is addressing this. I mean, he's hitting it head on. He's addressing this. They claim to have a special anointing which gave them special knowledge. So what does John do? John says that all true Christians know God and that all true Christians have received the anointing of the Holy Spirit through Christ, period. That's how he addressed it. They're claiming knowledge and anointing. Paul said, huh, let me show you something. All believers have the anointing. All believers have a relationship. So go pound sand. A.W. Tozer wrote it like this. I quote, he said, each generation of Christians must look to its beliefs. While truth itself is unchanging, 
The minds of men are porous vessels out of which truth can leak and into which error may seep to dilute the truth they contain. The human heart is heretical by nature and runs to error as naturally as a garden to weeds. The unattended garden will soon be overrun with weeds. The heart that fails to cultivate truth and root out error will shortly be a theological wilderness, end quote. Wow. What he's saying is if you don't weed that garden, because the Bible says, you know, we have a shield of faith that is to quench all the, the fiery darts. The, what are those fiery darts? False doctrines. Half-truths. They're constantly being directed. That barrage is being directed at us. And he said, you know what? If you don't, take a, if you don't pay attention, it's like, I don't, I, I don't, I, I don't like crabgrass, I, okay? I, I'm just, I don't like crabgrass. I have Bermuda in my, in my yard, and <clears throat> crabgrass drives me nuts. I, I fired a company that's supposed to treat it, and it, I, I had to, anyway, I don't like crabgrass. And so I started reading about crabgrass. One of the things I learned about crabgrass is it's not a perennial. It doesn't come up every year. It's an annual. It dies out every year. But what it does is it has seeds. And those seeds are dropped in the ground, in the, in the, in the soil, and they lay there or lie there dormant until the next season when it's warm, and then it takes root and sprouts. And so, you, you know, there are things that you do. And, and, and I'm like, well, how did I get it in the first place? And they said, well, and then talk about the birds, how birds eat seed and they get stuff and they get it on their feet or whatever and they fly over and, they, and it just deposits. Here's the thing. If you don't address, if, you know, I'm, if, you have, if you like weeds in your, that's fine. I'm, I'm just saying I don't like weeds in my grass. If you don't deal with the weeds, pretty soon you lose all your Bermuda and you have nothing but crabgrass or Bahia, or whatever. That's what, John's, that's what, that's what he's saying here. That's what A.W. Tozer is saying. Look, unless you pay attention and root out those things that are deposited in your spirit, he said, you'll end up in a theological wilderness. i got to close. So we're to reject any type of antichrist or anti-Christian thing that comes along. And there's one, there's one thing that he intimates here, uh, and I think it can be summed up in one word, and that's the word remain out of all the stuff that he's talking about, these are the last days. Here's how you know it's the last days. You've been equipped for the last days. Here's one thing you can do. Remain. Notice verse 24, 25, and 27. He says, see that, you have, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. Remain in him. Remain in him. Now, that word also is translated abide. Abide. Abide in him. Abide in him. We're to reject what is false, and to re- we are to remain in that which is true. And the only way that we can do that is keep, it's kind of like the old deal about uh, inspectors looking for counterfeit money. They inspect the real thing so often and so much that they know every intricacy about it so that when a fake comes by, they can identify it. I'm going to close with this reading here. There was a lady some years ago wrote an article on crosswalk.com, uh, a Christian site. Uh, her name was Julie Barrier, and she, she had got sucked into a cult. 
And the article title is Coming Back from a Cult. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want to read a part of what she wrote. Here's, what she, here's how she begins. She said, how could I be so, so blind? Why did I not see the signs? Everyone around me knew that I was in over my head, and they were plotting an intervention. Cults are insidious. Even for a long time, even for long-time followers of Christ, I was happy, albeit compla- I was a happy, albeit complacent churchgoer from the get-go. I started chucking graham crackers at the nursery ladies before I could talk. <laughs> we never missed a Sunday. We had our own pew and everything. God helped the poor visitor who sat in our spot. I was invited. I invited Jesus into my heart at the ripe old age of six. I cruised along with nominal commitment and blithe ignorance of Scripture despite the concerted efforts of my pastors to pound basic theology into my thick little noggin. I kept my nose clean. I lived under the radar. I followed the rules. I know I love Jesus, but we were distant acquaintances. I always held him at arm's length. Later, she says, I found, I found the guy, Brother Smith, not his real name, obviously. Pastored a wildly demonstrative congregation. People prophesied over me twice a week. I didn't need to listen for, to God anymore. My fellow Christians told me exactly what to do and what not to do. But after a very long time of praying, a wise counsel and patient, uh, wise counsel and patience from Roger, her husband, I began to see clearly I'd been duped. I was in a cult. Even though it had all the trappings of a great church, the good brother Smith was preaching what was not the God of the Bible. He was a demanding, accusing, condemning taskmaster who was perpetually disappointed with me. Who does that sound like? I was living a life of legalism, asceticism, and I felt trapped. But because of my faulty view of God, I did not think he would hear or answer my prayer. And she, and again, she continued to go through her journey. And she said, the thing, I learned a thing or two from my encounter with a false teacher. Number one, beware of the wolf in sheep's clothing who tells you he's the only one who hears from God. Number two, God promises to lead you when you are his child. If the Holy Spirit's jo- it's the Holy Spirit's job to guide you into all truth. Number three, carefully evaluate the view of God that is being taught. Is it based on Scripture? Hello, that ought to be really, really important. And number four, she said, every cult, every world religion is based, uh, every cult, every religion is based upon human effort rather than the grace of God and the sacrifice of Christ. That's what she learned. David Wells said the fundamental problem in the evangelical world today is that God rests too too inconsequentially upon the church. His truth is too distant. His grace is too ordinary. His judgment is too benign. His gospel is too easy. And his Christ is too common, end quote. That's an indictment right there. I'm going to close with this. So how do we maintain, know the truth? I could go back to the Reformation and there were some bullet things given about the Reformation. Scripture alone, Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone, to God alone be glory. If we stay tr- amen, if we stay true to that, we can stand up against the error that comes. The Nicene Creed, I promise you I'm closing with this. The Nicene Creed reads in part, We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made, who 
for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven was and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was bruised, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke, who spoke by the prophets. And we believe one holy, universal, apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism, and we look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight? Little children, these are the last days. There are people trying to deceive and captivate. My, my granddaughter, on the way over here, she was trying to describe a TV show that she'd kind of gotten interested in, and, and uh, she used the word, and I said, well, that's not really the right word. And she said, well, what is? And I said, probably captivate. And she said, well, what does that mean? And that means it means, it means to draw your attention. It's so powerful and so that you just, you can't turn away. There are people out there that are trying to captivate us from the truth. And they will say things like, I was watching a debate the other day of a lady that was in the LGBTQ community, and her, 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 her rational thought, the way she was thinking, is she said, do you know how many times that Bible's been translated? The, the inference behind that is that this, the Bible that you and I have is not an accurate representation of the original that God gave. Now, we've, we've, I've talked about this many, many times. If you understand what a scribe is and what a scribe did, then you and I have confidence that we have an accurate presentation of the Word of God. We can build our lives, our future upon, and we need to hide it in our heart. So be careful, be forewarned. I'm, I'm certainly never saying don't watch Christian television. I think it's a wonderful thing. There's lots of great teachings and programs available. But be very discerning about what you tune into, what you allow to influence you. Be careful of sheep wolf, sheep, wolf's clothes, wolves and sheep's clothes. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to bow with me as we close in prayer tonight. And, and let me just ask this. Maybe you're here tonight. Let me just ask this one thing. You're here tonight and say, you know what, Pastor, I want to I have discernment. I want to be able to discern. You know, in these dark days, there's a lot of things out there that can be very confusing. And I want to be able to discern what is right and what is wrong. You know, and I think God would honor that prayer, that God help me to know. You know, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They know it. They won't follow another. So maybe God help me to know your voice, to discern what is right and wrong. Uh, if that's you tonight, just slip in right back, right back down and say, Pastor, help me. I want to pray for that. Amen. If you're online tonight, if you'll comment, we want to pray. Father, tonight, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that we've been well equipped for these dark days that we live in. Uh, Lord, we're not, we're not ill-prepared. Lord, we know that these are dark days. These are the last times, the last hour, as John talked about, as, as Paul wrote. Uh, Lord, there are false Christs and antichrist all around the spirit of antichrist is alive and well but lord i thank you that thanks be unto god who giveth us the victory through our lord jesus christ lord that we are prepared to walk 
in victory. Lord, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. So, Father, I pray for the hands that went up tonight. I pray uh, for each and every one of us that we would have a discerning heart, Lord, that we would hear your voice and that we would follow after you. And, Father, I pray that you would help us to seize the opportunity of these dark days for the church to arise and shine like never before. Let us be uh, beacons of hope, Lord, that's, and, and, and that stand for truth and righteousness and holiness in a perverted world that we live in. Now, go with us tonight. Give us a great night. Uh, restful night tomorrow. I pray for the team as we do our food distribution tomorrow. Keep us healthy, well, safe tomorrow. And, and Father, bring us on Sunday ready to receive your word. I love and bless each one now in Jesus' mighty name. And we all said, amen. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you and I love you very much.